Hello, and welcome to Paradox Untold Stories from Athletic Directors. Dr. Dustin Smith and myself are back for another episode this week, and we also have Josh Scott with us. How are you doing today? Doing great. Thanks for having me. Yes, thank you for being here, and thank you to Ticket Spigot, um, the official ticketing partner of the NIAAA. Uh, and Dustin, how are you today? Yeah, I'm awesome. Um, I, I've looked forward to today uh, because um, despite what those of you who may be able to watch this on YouTube will see in the background of, of Josh Scott, he's a little deranged in some aspects of his life, uh, but as, a, as an athletic administrator, I have the utmost respect for him. His choices sometimes I, I question, uh, but Josh is, man, Josh is up there in, in my book as a, as a great leader, a great athletic administrator, um, in spite of his love for the Red Turds. Um, so we'll, we'll, we won't talk about that too much, but Josh is the, I guess, I don't know, they give you much respect, Josh, because they say the past president, but they don't say the past secretary, which you have been for the last six years of your life, devoted to what our triple or NIAAA board has been about. You've been there for every bit of that and nobody gives you the praise you deserve. So I'm going to give that right now. I'm going to do this and say, Josh Scott is the past treasurer, past secretary of the NIAAA board. So I want people to just, you know, do you got to kiss the ring? You got to bow down. You got to salute. Whatever we got to do, let's do that now. No, there, there is definitely no kissing of rings. Um, there is, hey, write this down, Josh. So, uh, no, no, we usually uh, enjoy riding off into the sunset and, uh, you know, had the privilege to serve, uh, as I was saying, five and a half presidents. Uh, you know, the, the first time we're kind of in an advisory or a watching and a learning role. Uh, following, you know, Coach Kilgore around uh, that first year for me. So uh, it was a great six years, um, but but great service and, and time to move on. Uh, let's talk about, and, and we've gotten to know each other even more because of the leadership cohort that we're in together um, and that you're um, learning from. And I think it's a very valuable thing. I've said this on many of our podcasts that we've had some guests that have been through that cohort. And what Daryl Dance has put together has been really good and really beneficial. Um, and I think you're in the midst of it right now. And I think you'll start seeing more and more impact of what this really does and learning from greats around the country um, as, as you continue to go on. And then from years on that you get to connect back to these people. We can talk about all the stuff that you've done. Um, but what is it that the resume is not going to tell me about, Josh Scott? I know that you're married to a doctor. Um, but... And that's a recent uh, title that she's gotten. Um, and so congratulations to her and congratulations to you for being able to be that support system for her as well. But who has Josh got outside of the AD at Springfield schools? Well, uh, first of all, she's got, you know, kudos to her for two things um, because most roller coasters have two seats in them. And she is a fanatical coaster goer mom. Uh, with our 12-year-old son, and uh, I don't have to go on them. So she is insane and crazy for that, uh, just like she is for going through the, the doctorate program, uh, present company not included, maybe. I'm not sure uh, what, what level you are uh, of where you are with, with doing what you did. Um, it was insane, but it was, all, it was also an awesome three years for me. Uh, my son is really, our son's really, gotten into soccer in the last uh, several years. So that was a lot of dad and, and fun time driving three hours to Kansas City to uh, play a little bit of soccer and back while mom worked and, and uh, did her doctorate stuff. So that's, uh, that's been the last three years about me. I'm a, I'm a St. Louis kid, uh, St. Louis Cardinals, St. Louis Blues, Emo's Pizza, uh, you can say something about all three of those if you want, Dustin. It's it's fine. Um, you moved out to, uh, I guess I graduated from college in 2001 and have just been moving west ever since. And the the thing about me that I like to say, if you want to know, you know, who am I? What am I? What am I doing? You know, I'm a, I love to play golf. I refrain from calling myself a golfer, uh, but so many of us that are former coaches, athletes. Uh, golf gives me that outlet to compete. I always know what I shot the time before. I always know what my handicap is. I always know what I want to try and beat. Um, so I'm, 
I, I enjoy doing it. I can't wait uh, to play the next time after I finish. Uh, you know, I, we have a pool membership. We love going there and watching my son do dives and flips and, and all that. We have uh, one young son. He's, I say young. He's 12 years old. Uh, we were fortunate enough 11 and a half years ago to bring Gabe home from Ethiopia. Uh, so that has been a huge piece of our life for the last, uh, you know, 12 years now. He keeps telling us he's a teenager and we're like, you're 12. And he's like, I'm almost 13. It's September. Um, and then, you know, the last thing about me, I'm just a guy that continues to sign up for stuff I'm not qualified for. And uh, that really sums me up the best. So. I think that segues into some things we need to get clear right off the bat um, because there were some shots fired early um, and some that you weren't able to defend yourself with and some that you can confirm or deny. I don't know if you want to do either one, but first I've got to ask you about the uh, fishing prowess that um, current president Mike McGurk says that he has over you. Is that a true statement? Is that story true? Well, there's, first of all, I was defending myself. If you consider yelling at my own radio in my Subaru while I was listening to you all. Uh, so there was a, a vigorous defense that went up and uh, I was probably one of the people in Springfield, Missouri, having road rage with themselves while I was listening to that episode. Um, I, I will say on that day, the good Dr. Michael or, you know, Michael McGurk, uh, El Presidente, did capture the largest fish. Um, now, I caught the first fish, okay? And that's probably my first time fishing, and I don't know, it, I, I'm 42 years old. That's the first time I've fished in probably 30 years at least. And so it did not take me long to catch a fish versus the avid fisherman on that dock. But after I caught said monster that I believe you saw last week, and then I messed up the string in the reel twice in a row, and I got it fixed the second time, and I put that darn thing on the dock and just continued to uh, have refreshment. <laughs> so, I know my limits. So it, the record needs to state that you did score first. Yes, I, I scored first. Now, I do believe. That fish that you saw last week was easily twice the size of the fish that Mr. McGurk caught in our state conference tournament. Um, so it was the, the word on the street was that fish actually went to the local bait shop for other people that are real fishermen on the local. <laughs> <evening>. Wow. <laughs> so you can ask him. He's got a picture of that one, too. We we got some clarification on the on the fishing side. Now I know that um some of your former colleagues in that room that are in Indianapolis right now, um, that have been past guests of this show are listening. Mike McGurk included. Um, President elect, uh, Three Socks Moran is listening, and I know Steve Throney are listening. So they're expecting some fireworks, some shots, whatever. Um, but I also got to ask a question about a certain golf match and asking you just straight off the bat, do you have a crystal um, letter paper holder, weight. whatever you want to call it? Paper weight. Mm -hmm. You have paper a paper weight. weight on your desk from the uh, competition in Indianapolis. At the, the current time right now, there is nothing in my office telling me to be better. Okay. <laughs> wow. <laughs> So now we know where that resides now because it's not you or McGurk. Correct. Mm -hmm. So you will you will align with him in that side, just not as fishing <laughs> exploit. Not only will I align with him on that, I will tell you if you if you are a golfer at all and enjoy it, you have to play the speedway. You know, I played I played pretty well for holes one through six. You turn the corner. And you go under the track and you get to the top of the hill for a little par three. And all of a the sudden there are literally Ferraris driving past us doing a speed test. And all of a sudden I just lost my mind. I didn't, couldn't even hit the golf ball anymore. And Mike was on fire. 
for the entire middle part of the round. So I will, you know, this, this is the type of person I am. Okay. He's wrong on the fishing to an extent, but he's absolutely right. He was fantastic golfing that day. So how many holes are on the speedway? Uh, there's four. Four. There's four and holes. I, I, four so holes the first on. six, you were good? First six, I was good. Uh, the next six, I was six or seven. I was a hot mess. And then I came rallying, uh, rallying strong in. And, uh, you know, I probably shouldn't tell you this, but the match was over with three holes left. So if you want to know what the <laughs> score was. So you, was your back hurting, I guess is the question, from carrying McGurk, or was it um, equal load carried by both men? You know, if you, you watch like the Ryder Cup and everything. They say ham and egg. Uh, you know, we were we were pretty good partners that day. I you played well when, when he struggled, and, and I struggled mightily the entire middle of the round, and he played great. So it was it was actually a pretty good partnership there. So you're telling me you're not Hollywood because Hollywood lied to us. We found out from Jim Harris that Hollywood lied. He said that, remember the Titans, they didn't have a night game at T.C. Williams until mm -hmm. two years ago, which I swear by that movie, there were night games played at home. Oh, uh, there was. But oh, yeah, there was. He, he says Hollywood lied to me, so we can't say McGurk lied. He's not a consistent liar. He's just a liar, depending on if it benefits him or not. No, I, you know, I wouldn't even go that far. He just did not want to give me the achievement level of that first fish after 20 something, 30 something years. You know, that, right. that was basically it. I mean, ethically, you're usually not going to find anybody more solid than Mike, um, you know, but just when it comes to some pride with fishing, uh, you know, he just he had to bring the pictures out because somebody else got on board first. <laughs> Whatever makes him look better. So we've got that clarified. <laughs> Um, we can tell you like to golf. We can tell you don't like to fish, but you do it. Uh, you enjoy refreshments while fishing. Um, but let's paint for the people geographically where you're located at and where you serve as athletic administrator in Springfield. Yeah, I'm uh, Springfield, Missouri. We're the third biggest city in the, the state of Missouri behind Kansas City and St. Louis. Um, we are the largest school district in the state of Missouri. So I serve five high schools, uh, 10 middle schools, and I've recently uh, been given direction over the activities department for all 50 of our schools in our district. Uh, so I'm going to learn a little bit about that. We are, I, I guess if you're from Missouri, you would say we're the southwest corner of the state. So getting close to Arkansas. Getting close, um, you know. Water pressure-wise, I think you talked about last I'm week. I'm just right? going to ask if you had running water there or not. <laughs> yeah, I think we've got a little bit better pressure maybe where we are. And one thing Josh Josh has in common with me is a relationship with, with Doug Kilgore. Um, and, and Doug was the, the secretary of the NIAAA board before Josh was there, so he got to learn under him and his tutelage and um, also – Doug's in Springfield school district working um, and he's, he's up there in Springfield now. So he's left Arkansas up there. So um, what was once my problem, that was your problem before has now become your problem again. Absolutely. Yeah. Kind of a, kind of a funny story how that all happened. Um, I honestly thought that I would be the, the NIAAA secretary this time, right. Whenever Lauren took over um, and, and, I knew Doug was leaving and I applied for that position. And, and somewhere around October, I called, you know, Coach Whitehead and said, you know, Mr. Whitehead, Josh Scott, Missouri, um, I, I know the finalists, the final three have to give a speech at the, the um, delegate assembly. And I'm just wanting to know if, if I made the cut to the final three and, and, and if I need to put a speech together. And Bruce said, well, Josh, due to the fact that you're the only person in the United States that applied for that position, as long as you can get one vote, you're going to be the next secretary. So uh, I finally tell everybody I'm the only person in the continental United States dumb enough to follow Doug Kilgore. And uh, also Missouri, the delegate assembly, Missouri representatives, all the stains come to vote. So <laughs> luckily, the rest of the state, brought, the rest of the country brought me in. Yeah, at least one person did anyway. Exactly. <laughs> so 
we've talked exploits. We talked where you're located. Um, I know with your career and have you seen, I mean, especially in a district like your size that you oversee five schools, um, but you spent time as a coach and you've been through the, through the, the ladder. I know you've got to have some stories for us that we can, we can look at and think, Oh, that really happened. Or, um, the oh crap moments, if you want to call them that, but those things that, um, Really, nobody else appreciates. That's kind of the point of this podcast is just for everybody to say, hey, it's not it's not uncommon that I'm going through some mess because somebody else did. Yeah, there's a, there's a ton of different information. I mean, I remember, um, you know, my family's still in St. Louis, and uh, I did what, what we all do, and uh, you have – you have events that are up there in that town. So you talk with your family, like, Hey, I'm going to cover this game. Can I stay with you? Try to go up and, and be with my brother. I remember getting a call about nine o'clock at night uh, in St. Louis and had a basketball team up there and uh, you know, high school kids making stupid decisions in hotel rooms when they're away from home. Uh, and so here. <laughs> I, uh, I, I had to drive up to the hotel um, we had to investigate right there. Then I had to get in, uh, get in my car with my head coach and the kid whose parents uh, not only were not on the trip, but decided that they would not come up and get their child who got himself in trouble. Uh, no. So coach and I drove him overnight to home. Uh, I think we left St. Louis at two, got to Waynesville about four, dropped the kid off, turned around, went back because, of course, that was Friday night. We were playing Saturday. Uh, stopped at White Castles and had White Castle breakfast about eight in the morning and uh, went on to the basketball tournament after 40 minutes of sleep. So, you know, you never know what type of uh, stupid stuff's going to mess up a really, really good plan. <laughs> so let me let me just let's dive into this story just a little bit because I want to parts I want to jump into. There's a lot of parts. Off, did they know mm-hmm. you were in St. Louis? Did your coach know you were there? Oh, yeah. Yeah, I went up there to supervise. Okay, so you were the administrator on duty, um, yep. and you weren't even at the hotel. You were with your brother. Yep. So what was the call like? Did the coach call you and say, hey, we got this situation. I need you here now, or? I'm I'm not sure what the rating is of Paradox, <laughs> uh, but, but I know <laughs> that uh, it will be findable on YouTube. So all of the things that were said may or may not. Uh, I'm gonna go ahead and abstain from that. So if you can, edited if you version. Can think, if you can think of what Coach would tell you in that situation, I think it started with something like, "Coach Scott, you won't believe what the heck just happened." Um, and so it was a colorful conversation. We can go there. Yes, sir. Well, okay. here here's how intelligent the decision was. These young men were staying in the room next to coach. Oh. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> my God. Okay, so we've established the <laughs> conversation and you're up there. What was the conversation like with the parents? And what was the conversation? Did the kids have that or did you guys have that? And what was the conversation like with the kid and the coach driving back to Waynesville? Well, luckily the young man just did not stay much. <laughs> uh, coach and I just talked, uh, you know, so that, that is the, uh, that is the last time I have been up all night throughout the night. So, uh, you know, it, it, here's, here's the problem with our job. I think I say the problem, you know, we're, we're continually working with kids that are 14, 15, 16, 17 years old. And and I would hate it if somebody judged me on on some of my decisions whenever I was that old. And uh, you know the thing is, we the the people that we talk to or that we're referring to, uh, a couple of them really rebounded and were great parts of our team the next year. And I, and I think that is the best part of this story. It was really crappy. It was terrible driving overnight. Uh, it was an awful situation. But the kids the kids did better and they learned and the next year they were great parts of our team. So what was the conversation like when you came back, when it was just you and coach, was it more colorful conversation or were you just trying to stay awake at that point? What's, what's, what's the word? Uh, the fifth? 
right? Do we, yeah, you do we plead the, yeah, we're going to plead the fifth right here, I think, for a little while. I'm blown away that obviously something happened where the student needed to be, go home and the parents wouldn't come get the child. Am I understanding that correctly? Well, probably somewhere between wouldn't and couldn't. Um, okay. You know, there could have been some, some parents. I mean, we're over two hours. You're talking two hours away. Uh, and the, the situation, we had to decide what we wanted to do. And at that point, it was we want to remove the young person from the situation. And we did. And and kudos to you for saying, OK, we'll drive him down to back and then back and then get 40 minutes of sleep and still have to go be an administrator at a game. But you did have White Castle. So I guess that probably gave you some added energy or maybe proves that you have a, a stomach that's rock solid and doesn't get altered by much for anybody from the midwest knows that would just drive you for the next two days right oh, yeah <laughs> yeah i don't know do you have white castles in florida Daniel? i don't believe we do and if we do it's not popular i've never had it you would they're know more, they're more oh, affectionately okay. more affectionately called belly bombers right Ooh. Ooh, no, I don't know. <laughs> no, like the Waffle House is referred to the awful Waffle. I mean, there's there's all kinds of stuff. But um, if you've had White Castle, you will know you've had White Castle. Yeah, yeah. It's the same. Yeah. It's the same Louis thing too. That's probably why I don't care for it. But that's a whole nother. I'll digress and not get on that boat for very long. <laughs> but I, I'm still trying to just wrap my mind around. When did you get sleep after this? I mean, you said you had 40 minutes of sleep. I'm assuming it was in the car. Did you go back to the hotel and get sleep there? No, I went. I, I just stayed at the hotel with Coach, um, hurried up, got up, went to the next game. And it really wasn't until the next afternoon, evening, whenever I got home. Because, I mean, I wasn't going to go to sleep in the middle of the day. So, yeah, it, was, it wasn't until the next night. And then, you know, you, you have all the other stuff you're dealing with when you get back to school on Monday. So. None was there any? Yeah, I was gonna say, was fun. there any sort of like consequence for this young man who made you pull an all-nighter? Oh yeah, we had to go through. We we did the normal traditional handbook and all that. That's you know that's the normal easy stuff or the stuff that we do and have to you know your due process and go through it all. It's just the funny fact that you know who else has driven somebody back all night and then had the most awful fast food for you that you could possibly pick in a city for breakfast at 6 a.m. before finishing a day so and then 40 minutes of sleep which is a true power nap I mean I guess if you want to call it that I mean I've heard 15 minute ones but never a 40 minute one that would be the equivalent of eight hours or seven hours or whatever and then you had to drive home on top of that Um, it just seemed like a fitting story for this this podcast <laughs> i mean i'm thinking about even the Wait. other kids were there other kids that were involved or was just one kid that made the decision to escalate to the point where he had to be removed we had a couple but we only had one that we had to help transport okay did so parents he, came and got the other ones <laughs> did, yeah. did you um use a u-haul to transport this child <laughs> it was it was not um luckily i <laughs> Luckily, I didn't have just a pickup truck where we were riding with three of them right in the middle. Um, you know, that that uh, it, it was an enclosed vehicle and everyone was safe and seat belted. So we were fortunate that way. So who who stayed with the kids back in the hotel? The assistant coach. Okay, so you had another coach present. So oh, yeah. Would it have changed? Would you have been the chauffeur of this kid if it was just the coach? Oh, I'm, if it was just a coach, uh, one thing that there's no way in the world I'd be in that car by myself. Right. Yeah. So it was, we were, it was two of us and just went on through. I, I think that's key when we start looking at takeaways from these stories. Uh, and that's one that's glaring right off the bat that you would say, you, as an AD listening to this, um, and I, I used the story that we had a fight, a soccer fight a couple of years ago. Um, and, we had some kids escorted off. So I told our coach, you got to send your assistant with those kids. Um, and that, that means you can't be thrown out of the game because then we don't have somebody else that's left yeah. here. Um, but to think through these these stories and say, okay, how can I apply that lesson to my current situation? And like you said, you wouldn't have been just you and a kid in a car alone. Um, 
no matter the gender. It wouldn't have mattered if it was a girl, especially a girl, but yeah. um, with a boy, you wouldn't have just put yourself in that situation. You have somebody else in that vehicle with you. You know, and it's it's also the idea of what's what is supposed to be supervised, right? We we send we send administrators, assistant principals, principals to games, even if it's far away, because of what could happen. Worst case scenarios. And and I mean, can you imagine if this is all happening, we're trying to investigate and I'm not even in town. So it was it was fortunate and, and that's why you sent somebody. So it it stinks sometimes. Um for me it was it was a bad situation personally because I was trying to see my brother. Right. Uh, and I'm leaving. Uh, you know, I think I'd, I I had had it set up perfectly where I it was a wrestling was in town, basketball was in town. I'm covering two different things and getting to see my family and was going to have a great weekend. And instead, this is this is what happened. But at, to to hammer that point home, that took precedence over what your plans were. Um, oh, yeah. you, had, you had a job you had to do, and that didn't end because you weren't in Springfield or Westfield or whatever, Waynesville, wherever you were at. You were with the team as an administrator, and when you're there, you're at their disposal and at their needs. So if a situation arises, put the cape on and go. Well, yep. and we always say that, you know, ADs are always on call 24-7. We always have our phones on us to make sure that everything is okay. But, like, being on call 24-7 has a whole new meeting for Josh Scott. Like, you are actually 24-7 right there driving through the night. That weekend was pretty bad. I mean, that's why if you look at it, any of us and you see in, like, I was fortunate enough to be able to pilot a class um, Saturday morning. So I took my, my two cell phones and put it in my backpack and put it over on the side. And I think by like hour three, I started twitching because it was the longest the cell phone's been away from my body. I mean, it's kind of a sickness, but um, you, you, <laughs> you know how blanket. it is. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's my comfort animal. The question I had, you mentioned two cell phones. Does Mike McGurk have two cell phones or does he operate off just one? Listen, I I don't want to go measuring everything up, but he definitely <laughs> does not have two cell phones. <laughs> I just want to, I'm trying to just make sure the record's straight and that people understand the superiority of Josh Scott over Mike McGurk. That's funny. That's one thing. I mean, that's, I'm just trying to help you out, Josh. No, I I appreciate that. I appreciate that. <laughs> and, and I can tell you, Josh and I taught a course together. Um, that we did via webinar. And so Josh is an LPI instructor as well. But uh, as you look at that process of piloting the course and knowing that all that's gone into it and the time that you poured into that, you've invested into that, um, people may say, well, it's a four hour course, but you put way more work into it than four hours, obviously developing and, and writing the course. How has that process been for you? And to get to that point where you've successfully piloted it, um, I'm not going to compare it to your wife's doctorate by any means, but I'm going to say that it took a big chunk of your time and the commitment to do that. What was that like and that feeling like getting that, that part of it done? So it's, uh, you know, we've been, we've been busting up Mike pretty good. I, I will tell you, you know, Mike's probably my best friend around. And uh, when I was rolling off the board and he was becoming president, he looked at me and he said, well, you know, you, you haven't written a class yet. So I have an idea. It's not in the catalog. Let's go. And uh, I just kind of looked at him. And I said, "Sure." Haven't been secretary, you know, been secretary for six years. Might as well start the cohort QPA and write a class because I'm going to have a lot more time on my hands. Um, we put together a great team, a great team. And, and one thing about Mike that he's led not only in small aspects that people don't see, but but leading as the president of our organization. You know, we went to different areas of the country and trying to find people that have not been through this process. So as far as writing a class, the only person that had been on our team was Mike that has written the class. Uh, we have Jerry uh, out of the Northeast, uh, Candace Cairn out of California, Jason Weberg from North Dakota, uh, Josh Matthews uh, down from Georgia, and then Mike and I. So we really picked a great team and as far as work uh they were outstanding um 
you know, it was it was a collaborative effort. Uh, I shared our PowerPoint with Doug uh, last week, Kilgore, and I said, "Do you mind to look at this?" And he, his first thing back, he goes, "Kind of looks like five different people typed into this." And I'm like, "Yeah, from all around the country, right?" Because that's <laughs> how it how it happened. Um, but then going through, I I probably put too much stress on myself with it because I sat in that room for six years and watched six years of pilots and um, you know there's a there's a larger percentage of pilots that don't get through the class and I was like we're going to do that we're going to get through the whole PowerPoint slide we're going to finish and uh, I put an undue amount of stress that I didn't need to because you walk in that room and it's usually to the board and because I think Phil Phil Ryzen likes to give me a hard time we presented just to the Professional Development Academy. So that's the, you know, Sherry Stice and Ed Lockwood and Jim Watkins and, uh, you know, Daryl Mant and, and Mike Elson. And we're looking all around with all these people. And I'm like, good Lord, it's the freaking Mount Rushmore of the NIAAA. You know, can we, can we get like floor three and get some people that like don't know anything about it and let us teach to them? Um, but it was just, what an outstanding experience. I mean, all of those those people that have been in that room have done it. They've been through it. They love the NIAAA and they're just the most gracious company to to present to. So um it was probably one of the more stressful things I've done, but one of the most fun also while doing it. As as you look at um your backdrop and those who aren't watching on YouTube. Um, it says go crazy, folks, which some will say that is a statement made by a legendary broadcaster for the St. Louis Cardinals. But I think that may be Josh's motto for his life um, in his friend selection, like a Mike McGurk um, or uh, trying to write a class or being a secretary. I mean, there may be some things that you may live up to that that moniker far more than just the Ozzie Smith home run or all the stuff that go crazy was originally designed for maybe in your life. Yeah. I, I, you know, with our son, one of the things that we, we are attempting to teach him is just try. Um, you know, he doesn't, he doesn't have a whole lot of chance. If you look at those, uh, what are the, the indicators that, that identify like your strengths, your personal strengths, both, both Gabe's mom and dad, number one is a receiver. Um, you know, you don't go through and get a doctorate unless you're an receiver in some sense. So um, for me, it has always been, I can try that. I can do it. Like you want us to, you, we need a webmaster for the MIAA. Okay. You know, we'll, we'll figure it out. And, and I'm just stupid enough to think that I can do, do it. And uh you know, there's, there is not much that I have had the qualifications in the past for things that I've done, but it's just the attempt of, if I fail, I failed at stuff before. So it's okay. We'll just figure out how to do it. You use the word stupid. I was trying to be nice and say just crazy. Just go yeah, but crazy. I know you did. I know you didn't mean it. Right. So, <laughs> okay. <laughs> right. Somewhere in there, Danielle, acceptance is the first step of getting better. <laughs> he knows <laughs> Josh is going deep right off the bat I mean telling us about let's just go try um, sometimes we wait till the very end but just try it and I think that's that solid solid advice for people especially in our profession um, serving on a committee uh, being a, being on your executive committee with your state association uh, trying something with NIAAA even if you had to get just one vote to become secretary Try it. Um, try an at-large position. Try to um, teach a class. Try to do whatever. I think that's there's a lot of wisdom in that, and I want I want especially some other person in Missouri to hear that the wisdom that came from Josh Scott of just try it. You never <laughs> you know. Are you, start, you were starting to fight, Dustin. You are definitely starting a fight. Well, maybe Mike and I are going to fight. Josh and Mike because they're Josh somehow admitted that they're his best friend in this whole process, but um, it's said out of respect. Yeah, right. yeah. No, no. We 
We are. I mean, it's just I I had great mentors, right? I I you know I I will tell you my father-in-law um, early. My wife and I have been married for 19 years. Um, you know, we met my second year at Rallo was her first year teaching, and uh, it was kind of funny. Met her, broke up with my longtime girlfriend of five years, and our first date was homecoming football game and an Applebee's. Um, so that'd be somewhere around October and we were married the next July and, uh, we have been married ever since, um, you know, 19 years now will be the 26th. And, uh, he, he told me early, you always apply for every job you may want. You know, you just, even if you don't get it, they know, they, they know that you might be interested in it later. And, uh, I probably became an AD before I was ready. Um, I went through some, some pretty tough times early. Um, but it, it's just, it's been a really rewarding experience and there's no, there's no way I can ever, I can ever give the NIAAA back what they poured into me. And so we're just, we're going to keep trying. Um, I'm not sitting here in this district job unless I've had the experience as a secretary. I'm not the secretary unless the MIAAA people didn't help me out and bring me in there. Um, I'm not there unless I don't get the first opportunity from Waynesville. So um, right now it's it's paying back, it's trying to help, it's trying to support. And uh, it's also a lot of fun. I mean, I'm only going to do this for 10 more years. So I don't want any regrets when I get done. So we've talked about the gut bomb you had, belly busters, whatever you call it, belly bomb whatever you call Wildcastle. Do you have another story that we can jump into and say, hey, this happened under my watch? And it may be funny. It may be a serious situation, uh, but there's going to be takeaways. Is there another story you want to share with us? Yeah, so uh, I, like I said, I, I became an athletic administrator after seven years. Uh, I had been an assistant soccer coach, an American history teacher for five in Rolla, went to Waynesville, uh, became the head coach, uh, men's and women's soccer and, and was teaching American history and year seven my AD resigned had the opportunity applied and um, was was fortunate to get the job um, and become the AD and so I'm I'm young I've got seven years under my belt um, some of the coaches that I was attempting to lead um, had coached their sport longer than I've been in education right um, possibly even a couple of them pretty dang close to how old I was. And so I'm young and I'm a former soccer coach. But go into an AD room like that, right? <laughs> Our state conference is, is in April every year. We put on a great professional development conference. And I reach out to a guy that is a good friend of mine and a, a mentor of mine. I'm like, hey, what what is the dress code for the conference? You know, I don't want to come in looking like a fool as the young soccer coach with earrings, right? I mean, because just add everything that you want to add here to this conversation. I didn't want to be in like nothing, man. Everything's totally casual. You don't have to worry about anything. Um, you know, just casual, 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 shorts, polos, shirt, it doesn't matter. T-shirts are fine. I come rolling on banquet night. Again, person I trust is like, don't worry about it. It's all casual. I don't feel I like this is over. going down a good path. It's not going well, Danielle. It's not going well at all. Um, I come over the ba over the, uh, the the rampway, coming into the main building, turn right to go to the banquet, and I look up. Everybody's in suits and sports coats. I'm in jeans, Birkenstocks, and a David Beckham LA Galaxy soccer jersey with Herbalife on the front of it, right? <laughs> oh, oh, yeah. Every oh, stereotype no. of a young soccer coach AD that you could see was happening in that wardrobe decision. <laughs> Jeff, Jeff looked at me, the guy that I, I talked to, he's still a good friend of mine now. He looked at me and he goes, the banquet and I'm like yeah you don't have to dress up for anything right so um I turned around and started a little tradition of having pizza and drinks at a closed restaurant because there was no way in the world 
I was walking into that room. So you want to know takeaways? Ask more than one person. <laughs> so, when, when, yeah, whoever that when, person is, no be Jeff. Hey, and, to, and to this day, I sat in that pilot room for six years and watched new course pilots. I'm sitting there last week and I'm like, I forgot what everybody wears. Do I have to wear a tie? Like, because right, the guy decision now is, do I wear a tie or can I just wear a blazer or a jacket, a suit coat and no tie? I asked two people what to do. So even today, man, I, I don't stop at number one. I always <laughs> ask the second person just to make sure because you just you, you just never know. So did anybody see you when you looked in that room and saw all the suits, or did you? Were you a oh. stealth or ninja AD and just kind of got out of there and decided to? Uh... Every, every, everybody knows. Oh, oh yes. Yeah. So you didn't so. say I'm just a tourist here. I didn't. I was just just passing through. No, so I've I've kind of I've kind of made it into a joke that every time I go to the conference, at least one night during a an acceptable day, I wear a soccer jersey to the state <laughs> conference in Missouri just to keep it rolling. Now. It's pretty standard when you go to the not AAA. You know, at the national convention, you're wearing a blazer, especially if you're on the board. They they fit you with that, and you wear that, obviously. But um, you know, there's a lot of questions about people that teach. And when you teach at the national level, obviously, what you wear, what's the expected code. Um, but when you teach at the state level, and you and I both know Doug Kilgore where well, it's always a bow tie with Doug, like always. It don't matter if he's going to a swim party; he's wearing a, a bow tie. Um, Hopefully more than just a bow tie, but he's wearing a bow tie no matter what. Uh, so it, I think it, the great takeaway is ask more than one person, as you mentioned, but maybe not one not one person who wants who you want the answer to be told what they're going to tell you. You got to get the truth, yeah. and so you got to yeah. dig around a little bit to make sure that you're not either a overdressed or b wearing a soccer jersey to a to a meal or banquet. You should have been wearing a jacket. To. Well, well, I will. I, I I will. Go ahead, Danielle. I'm sorry. I, I just want to make sure I heard you correctly when you said you're still friends with Jeff. Oh yeah, I'm still friends with him. He's still, uh, you know, G maxing all of our uh, our fields. It 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 was a fun story. We may or may not. I I'm not quite sure if the fun is at his expense or my expense. <laughs> yeah, still. but he's no but, longer he's no longer your stylist. Yeah, no, he is he is not. When I tell you I call two people, he is not one. Yeah. So your phone a friend is not Jeff, is what you're telling me. Correct. And there may be a phone a friend where Jeff comes into play, but it's not for a time. Oh yeah. Yeah. There's there it is at least once a year that that comment does come out about wearing a soccer jersey. See, I think you should have just rocked it. You should have blamed it on Jeff and been like, all right. And then every year from then, continually wear the jersey. Do you know if people would have been jealous that you were all comfy at the banquet in your jersey? I, I'm not sure that I could have withstood the ridicule for the rest <laughs> of my time. Fair in there. You know, it's, you know, I'm, I'm already announcing out loud that I was a soccer coach as an athletic administrator. So, you know, how many, how many of them are doing that? Yeah. And you're going into that room knowing that you were a soccer coach. And, you know, as you mentioned, when you set that up brilliantly, that they had been coaching maybe longer than you've been alive. Um, yep. And some of those situations where you try to walk into that room and say, or I belong here. Mm -hmm. And then you walk in and think, I do not belong here. Well, I, I will say, oh, still today, my, my go-to shoe, I will I will still say today for any young AD, you cannot overdress. Um, mm -hmm. That is where, you know, that is something that I've always tried to do, which made that even funnier whenever you think about how I walked around that corner. <laughs> like, I want to I wanted to know what your expression was as soon as you walked around that corner and saw it all on spot. Oh, do you have a do you have a bleeper on this recording? Is <laughs> <laughs> some of that where's, colorful language you learned from that coach? <laughs> where's, where's the FCC? You all are going to get a hit. <laughs> I mean, I, I mean, we've all been there. If we're going to be honest, we've all been there. We've shown up to somewhere where we shouldn't have been wearing what we were wearing um, and felt completely underdressed and overmatched. <laughs> and there's a lot of times I go into rooms that I'm overmatched anyway. 
Um, I don't need my clothing to, to further separate me from that. Uh, but you think about those moments when you walk in and you think, oh, my goodness, what is the best decision right now? Do I continue on or do I just go and have pizza or create something, some other memory of eating wings or something else like I should have been doing with my soccer jersey on? <laughs> you just, just always ask two people. Yeah. <laughs> ask more than one. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and you've been in other meetings since this point, I, I assume. Oh yeah, I mean, it, I've, I have uh, fortunately risen to uh, associate executive director for the MIAAA. So you know, we we have not yet changed the dress code for the banquet, but you know, we're in we're in conversation. So you may <laughs> may or may not have needed a crystal paperweight that said "Be better" that you could have used at that point. I'll tell you right now, that night I did. <laughs> that <laughs> night it would have been, I needed to wear it around my neck like a, like a necklace. So it was, it was, it was almost, it was bad. You know, and I had, I had one guy when I came around the corner, he was a conference AD. He's like, what are you doing? I'm like, I'm leaving. And he said, no, come on, it'll be fine. And I'm like, uh, uh-uh, I'm not going in there looking like this. <laughs> I've got to ask this question. You served on the board for six years. Um, you've seen a variety of personalities come through, you've seen a variety of leadership styles come through, um, a wide variety of mantras or mottos or whatever the plans were. I know every meeting's not stiff as a board. You're just in there doing your job. There's got to be some times where you had some fun. You had some moments of, wow. Is there a particular time with a board meeting that you've had that you thought, Man, this is awesome. You can't make this stuff up, but this happened. Aside from Steve Strong standing in front of or sitting in front of Phil Elston at a delegate meeting, is there any other time that you can look back and say, wow, that really just happened? Well, I I will tell you, it's been, it was the highlight of my career. Um, you know, the, the last couple of years serving with Mike on there, I mean, a lot of people, we all become friends, right? I text Toddles and uh, Scott Norty. When I knew I was going up to NEDC in Seattle, I texted Scott and I was like, "Hey, I'm going to be up there." And you know, he and Mary are going to be there. They're going to meet Gabe and Keeley. Um, so you you build a lot of really really good friendships. Um, I know. I think it was our it was our second or our third year together. You know, you come in in classes, and and Scott Norty and Todd Olson and I came in together, and we were all um, particularly feeling ourselves in our oaks at that point. You know, we were like, we know what we're doing. Um, we know where this needs to go. We looked at the uh, agenda and the agenda. We we're like, there's nothing on here. Like we are, we're going to be done. We're supposed to be done uh, Tuesday by noon. We're like, we're going to be done at Monday afternoon. Like, what are we going to do? We're going to be done so far in advance and uh dr blackburn is proficient at all of the strategies of the art of war and i think we were a little too um hubris and boisterous about how early we were going to be done and landmine after landmine after speed bump were thrown down and to say that meeting ground to a halt would not do justification to the conversations that were brought up and had. Um, we not only did we not finish by Monday afternoon, uh, I believe we may have been closer to 1 p.m. on Tuesday when we finished instead of the noon. Uh, so, yeah, that that was one we walked out that night, and as we're walking back to the because part part of the relationship is you get on the board. Uh, you you stay at the shared and you walk over in the morning all together. So you have 15, 20 minutes of just walking and, and getting steps in. And, and then you walk back. That walk back to the hotel, we were like, what did we do? Who said it out loud? Why did, why did we make that statement? Why can't we just keep our mouths shut? You know, and uh, that was one that, that I remember because we all were like, oh, we're, we're fine. We're going to be done. Nope. Nope. No. Dr. Blackburn will make sure that we will have every historical understanding 
of everything that we need for these conversations. And, and section yeah. meetings are no different. You look, look at that agenda with a section meeting, you think we're not going till 5.30. And sure enough, you're there until 5.30. I mean, I, I can relate and understand the, the tactics that are used. You know, I'll, I'll tell you, Dustin, I think that's a that's an opportunity for us as states to learn. You know, sometimes what we do is we use the same people in the same spots over and over and over. And then, you know, somebody's like, well, I heard that at this meeting and that meeting, and, and, and now this is the third time. Well, maybe you shouldn't be the state liaison and the executive director and the scholarship person. Maybe as a state, we can find a way to diversify your positions. Um, I will tell you, we have uh, Jen Brooks um, in Missouri, you know, global community of women, and uh, she's, she's done a lot. Um, my CMAA project for Missouri was our, our mentoring program. And the whole idea, I became, I was president-elect when I wrote it, and then I became president. And when I became past president, the, the idea was I would run that program. Um, and Jen called or she emailed and, uh, you know, she had the strength and the power to email and say, how's anybody else supposed to get involved if you all don't share it? And so I said, will you call me? Cause I, that's another thing. We rely too much on emails and text. Like you need to pick up a phone and call other athletic administrators. And, and Jen called me at, at that night at my house and we talked and I was like, you know what? You're absolutely right go and she has taken our mentoring program in the state and blown it out of the water she's not only doing an outstanding job in missouri she's leading women and minority groups throughout the country and she's leading on the the niaa mentoring committee so we need to be okay doing that and, and allowing other people in there's a lot of people reached out to me want to serve on a committee want to do stuff through the niaa and um, you know, I used to think um, there are two great jobs when you're the president-elect or the past president, um, because your role is pretty, it's pretty bleak. Um, you really don't have a defined role of what you're doing. Is that the same with the past secretary? Do you have joy in being the past secretary that you really don't have an obligation now? Yeah, you, you know, I was, I was in that room and and again, my, my role is different than some of the at-large or some of the section leaders, right? You, if you come on as a section leader, you know you have three years. Um, we joke with new board members all the time. Everyone, with the exception of the secretary, we tell them, hey, congratulations, you're now a board member. We're replacing you in three years with this state. <laughs> you know, and, and it happens meeting one. And right. they just all kind of laugh. And it's the standing joke, but it's like your time here is limited. Um, you, you have three years. Me, I had, I had six years. Um, that is six February's an extended trip. That is six December's uh, extended with work throughout it. It's the section meeting. It's the greatest professional thing I've ever been able to do. But it's time for somebody else to have that opportunity. Right. And I'm I'm excited for Lauren to get that opportunity. And I'm excited for the next person after Lauren to have the opportunity to do what I did. I, I made it to every section in the United States except for section one. Um, I made it to section eight and virtually, but I'm still going to count it. Um, you know, but it, it just was a tremendous experience. You know, I think about, um, those February walks when you said walk from the hotel to the, the office. Um, and you say 15 minutes worth of walking. Some of that may be more brisk in December or January or February than it is in maybe July. We we may have looked like Steve Prefontaine in, in some <laughs> February walk. Some were, were a little bit faster. We may have been breaking the five-minute mile. Um, but, you know, you sit for so long. Yeah. If you don't walk, I mean, I actually, for those times, I wouldn't tell people, and they laugh at me, I turn into a mall walker. A lot of times I call after coming back from dinner, because when you're on the board, it's not to any experience, but you eat and you work and then you eat again. And it's it's a revolving door of food and work. Uh, so like I would go, the malls attached, I'd go walk around all over the place just to get steps in. Well, and a lot of it is because of 
Um, you know, I did it at the NCAA level, but your level uh, of involvement as the secretary, you had to pay attention the whole time. I mean, it was hours of being locked in because you're taking notes and you're the responsible one of the group. Everybody else can just make comments, but you have to record everything. I'm not sure if it's considered responsible one if you're a squirrel brain, right? <laughs> like I started taking notes because if I'm going to be in a meeting, I need to be actively doing something. Yeah. So yeah, I can that's relate how it started. As one with an ADD um, background and history, I know exactly that what you're talking about because I'm chasing rabbits or squirrels or whatever it may be. Uh, I can get easily distracted, but as a secretary, you can't really be distracted. You've got to be focused. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So is there is it fair to say, or am I just going to have to start in the pot here, that Mike was not qualified to be a secretary? He had to go to the president's route because he couldn't be focused? The fight I, he's trying to start, Josh. He's trying to fire I think, <laughs> I think I think Mike Mike had a considerable upside compared to me. There you go. And and he had he had that track. Um, yeah, I'm gonna go with Gary know, well, Stevens there. You went self deprecation instead of hey, What's the what's the coolest part about this is that the opportunity was there for both of us to have an op, you know the ability to serve um, because I would not have put my name in to run as an at large before Mike or against Mike um, in our state or in our section so it was it was really cool I mean it's just everything kind of aligned itself um, and it was it was pretty fortunate. You know, I think about um, just my time, how I've gotten to know you um, through these last few years. And a lot of it's because of Doug Kilgore said, hey, reach out to Josh Scott. He makes community assignments out of our section or whatever it may be. Um, so I got to know you got to teach alongside of you. Now I'm in the leadership cohort. Um, somehow I'm a mentor. Um, I'm, I'm still trying to figure out and process how that even works out. But Me too. You too? Is that what you said? <laughs> trying to figure that out too how that yeah. all happened mm -hmm. i think i think one of the years i taught there was a there was a the frere model where there was the example and non-example right so maybe, maybe it's rolling that way yeah maybe maybe i'm feeling the non-example and people say don't do whatever that guy says um, but but what i've what i valued most about you josh is just your genuine heart to make our profession better um, and there's no one that you consider yourself better than there's no one that's going to ask a dumb question. I mean, you're invested in what people ask you. And even um, people from Arkansas who don't have running water, you still take pity upon them and say, yeah, we'll get you involved or I'll teach alongside of you or whatever it may be. Um, but, but your genuine self is on display all the time, which is, which is awesome in our profession. We talked about it this morning that you've got in our AD world, we share, we collaborate together. And so <clears throat> we're so willing to share what we do. Um, and you're willing to invest in other people. And not everybody is a soccer coach turned AD. And um, so you, you walk in some unique shoes and have a different perspective than somebody else. Um, not everybody is stupid enough to be a St. Louis Cardinals fan, but you've got that moniker with you. Um, so <clears throat> I think the cool thing is, we're made up of people who are individual. And what's great about our podcast is we're just telling our stories, whatever that may be, whether that is the gut busters in White Castle at six in the morning um, or what, walking into a room wearing a soccer jersey. I mean, we're, we're all going to face those times of challenge, those times of, hey, this is decisions where the, most, where the rubber meets the road and how we handle those situations is important. So as you look back on your time serving in the AAA, NIAAA board, at what point do you say the biggest takeaway I got from that is X, whatever that is? What What is that blank for you? I First of all, I, I appreciate that, Dustin. You know, when, when I think of what we do, and this is what I try to tell new athletic administrators in Missouri all of the time, and uh, I, I try to, this is my soapbox, right? You look in you look in your school. How many athletic administrators are there? There's mm -hmm. traditionally one, and if there's anyone else with any experience, they didn't like it and they left, and they became a principal, assistant principal, or just said the heck with it. I don't want to do that. 
Um, my wife gives me a hard time all the time. And kind of our, our joke is, you know, Josh doesn't have friends. He's an administrator, you know, and, and we tease about that around our area in Springfield. My friends are around the country. And that's what the NIAAA does. And that's what the MIAAA does. It introduces you to people that are experiencing what you are, are seeing what you are, are dealing with what you are. And I can't go to somebody in my my last school in the building that knows what I'm dealing with on a daily basis. I'm fortunate here in Springfield. I have a great assistant AD. I have somebody that I'm allowed to, you know, I can bounce ideas off of. I have an AD at my five high schools that I can speak to, but that's not the norm. And so what we have to do is not be afraid to let other people in. And then when we start to realize how many good people are out there that we can bring in, uh, that's when we truly can build that web. Uh, I, I mean, I would have been absolutely foolish if I would have not brought Jen into our leadership. And you, you look at her impact on us in the MIAAA. You know, we have two new board positions for underrepresented groups. Uh, we have her just leading the charge in our mentoring program. Uh, and, and all of that is just by saying, let's bring more people in. Uh, so, so for me, if I can, if I do anything, if I take anything away, it's just the idea of you have so many friends out there, so many colleagues out there. Uh, you just have to be willing to let them in. And, and one thing you can say with 100% sincerity is you can take a break from fishing for 30 years and still catch the first fish. I'll still get on the board first. <laughs> right? So the board doesn't just apply to the NIAAA. It could be whatever. <laughs> there you go. There you go. That that was even better. See, that's why you're a doctor. <laughs> I, I just want to ask, is there any parting shot you want to get out? I say shot. Is there any truth you want to get out there that maybe um, since you weren't on the board first that you can kind of set the record straight or paint that appropriate picture moving forward? You know, first of all, there's many a times where I am on the shoulder of Michael McGirt saying things. Um, but, you know, I, I, I do believe that Dr. Blackburn felt like I'm going to end my career trying to corral this fool around for a year and I'm going to let somebody else have a great first start. So, you know, I, I really think, really think that, that Mike McGurk drove Dr. Blackburn out. Yeah, I, I think I asked that question, whether that he was, he was the reason that he got out and Mike tried to spin it differently, not Dr. Mike, uh, but yeah. Mike tried to spin it differently to say, you know, I'm, he's going out with me, whatever. Um, yeah, no, it it was absolutely, I have ushered 13,000 membership through the hardest presidency in the history of the NIAAA, <laughs> and I'm tired. So I, I really think that could be what happened and was part of the decision. I, I want the record to state, I'm not arguing with you one bit. <laughs> He's just trying to start the fight. He doesn't want to be part of it. Danielle has met you both virtually, so she doesn't know you guys personally like what I may, uh, but but I'm not going to argue with you one bit. I guess my question is, has there ever been two guests that have had to come on quarterly to refute what the other guests had said? There's always a first. There's always the a first. The next one is to have you both on here and let you spar against each other. Okay. And if it gets you know, some of those agendas where you think there's landmines or speed bumps, maybe I will be responsible for throwing in the landmine or the speed bump to drag it on a little more. That's good. That's good. <laughs> we could have a duel. But Josh, I do want to say thank you for jumping on here. I appreciate you taking the time with us. And uh, like I said, I appreciate your investment in myself, investment in our profession, investment in the NIAAA, because it is it's hard to measure the investment that you've had. And you, you've talked about being 42 and, and being young in the room at one point. Um, and now you're an old seasoned grizzly veteran. Um, but I appreciate what you're doing. I appreciate you taking time to sit down and chat with us today. Well, I, I appreciate you both. I think these, these types of informal sit downs are invaluable. 
especially for new athletic administrators. And, and just remember, ask for help. There's people everywhere. Just ask. ask more than one person. That's right. <laughs> only, only about dress code. <laughs> when, when, is a, when is a David Beckham jersey appropriate? <laughs> everywhere but a conference banquet. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like that's a great advice to just kind of go off into the sun on that best advice. <laughs> Awesome. Well, well, thank you to our sponsor, Tickets Bicket, and um, absolutely thank you to to being with us today, Josh. It was a great time um, talking with you, and I I will not pack my jersey for any conferences. I will not. Well, good luck cutting and editing this sucker up. <laughs> well, thank you, thank you both. I appreciate you. Thank you, Josh. Appreciate you. All right. Take care. See ya. (laughs) Bye.